Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. You got that right. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for joining me here on a Wednesday evening. Always glad to be with you here on Super Talk. Rhino down there in Studio X. Everything good about the show is Rhino's doing. Everything bad, I will take the blame for. That's what a great leader does. You know, I know not everybody's a big fan of him, but I believe in the Joe Moorhead philosophy. Point the point the the, the thumb, not the finger. If something goes wrong, that's on me. If something goes right, you can have the credit. That's how I try to I try to live my life that way. I also live my life a quarter mile at a time, or so. Yeah, so they say. Big show tonight because. Uh, Everything's going on here at Mississippi State. We've got huge basketball game tomorrow. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Baseball starting to heat up. Conference play is only a week away. And on uh, on yesterday, on yesterday, yesterday, uh, spring practice got started here in Starkville for football. So the Zach Arnett era uh, underway in earnest. So plenty to talk about. Let's start with hoops, though, because this game now tomorrow, we sort of come to it right. This is this is the the last stop on the journey, possibly, for Mississippi State in the NCAA tournament. Now, if you look, there's a lot. There's a lot of bracket. This is something people, they, they miss, is that bracketology has become such a Joe Lenardi thing. And give the man full credit. He invented it, basically, and, and has made a great career out of it. But there are lots of people who do bracketology, who do bracket predictions, for lack of a better word. And... With that being said, uh, a lot of these mocks, these models, have Mississippi State in. Just in, no questions asked, they're fine, they're in. And for Mississippi State, it feels like, to me, that they need this win. I feel like they need this win. If they get this win, I would say no questions asked. It's, it's all over. They're in the NCAA tournament, and that's going to be that. And if they lose, they will spend Selection Sunday sweating. Of course, you know, and, and, and the thing to remember, and people f- talk about this a lot, that when they talk about net especially, it's, it's, it's the teams around you, too, you have to keep an eye on as well. So if you're an MSU fan, I think right now you're watching Ohio State-Wisconsin. You want Wisconsin out. There are games you want you want teams out. You don't want bid stealers. You want chalk in all your conference tournaments. And if that occurs, which is unlikely, there's going to be some upset. But I think state still controlled its own destiny. The problem is they've controlled their own destiny for the past month. And, you know, they lost to Kentucky, they lost at Missouri, and they lost at Vanderbilt. Any one of those games would have alleviated all this pressure. They didn't get those the job done in those games. As simple as that, you know. 
They had a great chance against Kentucky. They had a great chance against Missouri. And then against Vanderbilt, you know, I feel like for whatever reason, defensively, they, they just didn't show up. And that's the first time in quite a while. You know, you go back to the Tennessee game at Tennessee where they just got sort of shell-shocked there in the first few minutes. But that's the only time the defense didn't show up this year, basically. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, you know, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, that if State, you told me before the game, hey, State's going to score 72 points, I'd have been like, well, they're going to win this game by double digits and win this game easily. But they didn't. Vanderbilt shot the ball incredibly well, and State wasn't able to, to stop them from doing that. This Florida game is very interesting. Florida kind of in the same situation as Vanderbilt, right, in that their best player is out, Colin Castleton, who had a decent game against Mississippi State. And then from the, you know, of course it's you department, uh, the guy who's been leading Florida these past couple weeks is the freshman Riley Kugel, who was committed to Mississippi State under Ben Hallen and asked for his letter of release and, and ended up as a Florida Gator. His last uh, six, seven games, he's averaging like 16, 17 points a game. And, of course, in the game in Starkville, he only had eight points, but he had a massive three-point shot where basically with the shot clock expiring, he threw the ball up from near half court and it went in. And that was a, a situation where State had a lot of momentum and looked like they were about to get the ball with a chance to take the lead. And instead of being instead of being down you know, two and having the ball, they're down five. So, you know, that's the guy to watch for Florida. But this is a massive game. Noon tip tomorrow in Nashville at the SEC tournament. Odds makers will have State a favorite, and the lines aren't out for that yet. They're at least not the ones that I've seen. Uh, State will be favored to win. And, of course, if they win, they play Alabama. But they can play Alabama stress-free at that point, I think. I think you can just play and be like, all right, well, whatever happens here happens. But if, if you beat Florida, I think your ticket is punched. And I think that's something that, you know, I don't know that we've truly uh, I don't think that we've truly taken into account and really looked back at, at what's happened this year and the job Chris Jans has done. Because this is a team that, you know, I, I thought they would be sort of where Florida is right now, to be honest with you, struggling to be over 500. And instead, they blew through their non-conference schedule. They had the, the lull, the tough stretch there at the beginning of the conference. But since then, they've played great basketball. They have good wins. They play pretty well as a team. They've improved throughout the season. I mean, where they were the first couple of games that SEC played to where they are now, totally different teams. You've seen individual players improve. Tolu Smith, for example, who this game against Florida back in January, he got benched and had to sit out the final five minutes. Imagine, you know, Tolu Smith, first team all SEC, won the Howell Trophy this week as the top player in the state of Mississippi. On the bench in a close game in the closing minutes because his coach didn't feel like he could trust him to be in there. That won't be the case tomorrow. Without Castleton in there, Tolu should have a really big game. The key to that, though, is going to be what everybody else does because Tolu had a big game Saturday night with Liam Robbins out for Vanderbilt, and it wasn't enough. So State needs its guards to step up, Shaq Moore, Deshaun Davis. And he came at, I mean, Cam Matthews had 11 rebounds against Vanderbilt, but he had no points. State needs him to get... Again, it doesn't have to be 20 points. It just needs five, six, seven points out of Cam Matthews. And then, you know, McNair had a nice game against uh, Florida back in uh, in January. Could he possibly come off the bench and give you a couple of buckets here and there? Again, should be able to take advantage of the fact that the best post guy for Florida is not going to be in the game. 
But this is where this is what we've come to. You know, we 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 built ourselves to this point, and then we'll see if Mississippi State can get over the hump. No pun intended there with the with that. But can they get over the hump? Can they win this game and put themselves into the NCAA tournament, or do they have to sweat Selection Sunday? Do we have to sit there and stare at bracketology and constantly refresh ESPN and and Ken Palm for the next two to three days? You know, and we'll see. We'll see for Mississippi State. This was there. You know, there was a time with Mississippi State where the SEC tournament was their greatest nemesis. Didn't win a game for I think what until 1996. Wasn't 96 the first year they won a game, and they ended up winning the tournament. And then you had a time where Mississippi State was traditionally pretty good in the SEC tournament under Rick Sansbury. Won two of them and got to another what another final for sure. And now in recent years it's been sort of the opposite. It's back to you know, you, you know for the most part one and done, but you know occasionally you win the, the first game. But the SEC tournament historically not a great place for Mississippi State. So they'll be looking to you know play against some history and play against some uh, some some old ghosts there on on, uh, on Thursday. I'm excited though. I, th- I think I, I think State can win. I think State will win this game. They, they, I feel like Jans has kept this team mentally checked in all season long. I didn't feel like they were checked out Saturday night. I just felt like Vanderbilt. They just made shots. Sometimes in life, the other team just makes shots, and that's the way that it goes. But in this game, I think State will be checked in. I think they'll take advantage of Castleton being out, and I think defensively, they'll. they'll they, I don't. I don't think this defense will not show up two games in a row. So, you know, I think, you know, Florida's not a great scoring team as it is. So I think Mississippi State should be able to hold them. I mean, they only had 61 in, in Starkville. I think they could be under 60. And in that case, Mississippi State should be, should be good. Should be able to win a, a close game. It might be a close game. 60, I would say 64, 58, 64, 59, something like that. But I think State can get the win. If it gets into the 70s for Florida, no. You know, if Florida comes out shooting the way that Vanderbilt shot on, on Saturday, no, that's going to be a, that's going to be probably too tough a pill to swallow. But if State can play defense the way they've played all season long, the way that they've you know they've handled almost everybody they've played, then they they should be just fine. And then Chris Jans can uh, put his feet up on Selection Sunday and just watch the show and figure out where his team's going. And I don't think it would be Dayton either at that point either. I think with a win, not only you're in but you're you're in, you're in the sixty four, not the sixty eight. So. We'll see how it, it turns out for Mississippi State. Not a lot of work productivity. Chris Jans uh, tweeted out today a uh, an excuse, said that uh, people, are, you know, you're having a dental procedure, and you can be back on Monday. So he's expecting a long run. Signed, Chris Jans, DDS. See how that goes. Mississippi State, Florida, to see who goes to the NCAA tournament for Mississippi State. If if they if they win, I think they're in. If they lose. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, we're back in just a minute. Let's talk some football here on Thunder and Lightning. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Listen up!
So if you've been out and about in our great state over the past uh, few days, the weather has been just incredible. Almost, you know, a little, little, little warm out there at times, like up in the upper 80s a couple times. I'm, I'm thinking, is this is this August? Is this is this is it time for for preseason camp? Well, it's time for spring camp at least, and spring football has started in many places across the country, and it started yesterday in Starkville. Uh, if you were at practice, if you got to see any of that, you saw some things you haven't seen in quite a while at Mississippi State. You saw tight ends on the field. You saw uh, quarterbacks going under center, and handoffs, and some gadget plays, things you don't you don't see, that you haven't seen over the past three years. So a, obviously a brand new start to many things uh, here in Starkville with the, the beginning of the Zach Arnett era. But one thing remains the same, and that's Will Rogers behind center, under center, however you want to put it. We talked a lot about Will on uh, Tuesday's Thunder and Lightning podcast uh, about his legacy. You know, Will Rogers is a guy that, from a statistical standpoint, is going to be near the top of the conference hist- historical standings in almost every category. Uh, he has a chance this year to become the all-time leading passer uh, in SEC history. Let me let me look up the how far off the record he is there. But you know, fair or unfair, labeled as a, a system quarterback here at Mississippi State. So Rodgers is about if I'm looking if I'm doing the math right guys and I think that I am about 2700 yards shy of Aaron Murray's record. But you know, the past 2 years all you've heard of Will Rodgers is well he's in the air raid, so obviously he's going to put up those numbers. And I, I get it. I get it. There's a lot of truth in that. You know, he throws the ball more than anybody else, so he should have good numbers. But he did have good numbers. That was the point I always tried to make with people is like, you know, it's not a, a rule that just because Will Rogers throws the ball, that it has to be complete. He has to get the pass to the receiver, and the receiver has to catch it. So, yeah, he had big numbers because he threw the ball a lot, but he completed the ball a lot this way. I Maybe mean, that's the way to look at it. It's not that he threw the ball a lot. He completed the ball a lot. And you say, well, he threw a lot of easy passes. Okay. He completed them. Good quarterbacks should do that. But now you're in a totally different system. It's going to ask a totally different uh, skill set of you. You are going to have to push the ball down the field more. You're going to have to throw that intermediate to deep route more than you ever did before. Are you up to the challenge for that? I would say this, that if Will Rogers comes out and has another good year, and, I mean, what's a good year in this system going to be? It's not going to be 4,000 yards passing. It's going to be, you know, around 3,000 yards passing. I think that's a, a, a fair number to say if Rogers is around 3,000, 3,100 yards, he had a fantastic year. 25 touchdowns, keep your interceptions around five or six, all good. If he does that, I think his legacy and the, and the, the idea of Will Rogers becomes one of, okay, this guy was one of the better quarterbacks in SEC history. I mean, am I saying he's up there with Manziel and Cam Newton and T? No, I'm not saying he's on that tier. But you can make a case for him as one of the better quarterbacks in SEC history. He would have the numbers. If State has another great season, if they win nine games or more, he'd have a lot of wins. Just just a lot going for him statistically. And I also think, and I'm not a guy who, who looks at Will Rogers and sees NFL quarterback, right? I, I, don't, I don't see that personally. But if he goes out and has a great year in a new system where he's able to show off the vertical game a little bit more, 
Oh, he's going to get drafted. You know, save your jokes. He's going to get drafted. I mean, the, the NFL's going to look at this kid has started this many games, threw for all these yards, didn't throw, he threw for a lot of touchdowns and not a lot of interceptions. Yeah. And he did it under two different systems. One more, one, you know, very quarterback friendly. The other one, you know, required a lot of him and he got through it. Yeah. He's going to get drafted. Everything sort of works around Will Rogers. And I mean, I know that was the case in, in the air raid as well, but when you look at what State has on offense and who they bring back, Marks and Price in the backfield, most of the receiving core, you know, Ra Ra and Caleb Ducking obviously gone, Austin Williams gone, but Tulu back, Justin Robinson back, Rufus Harvey back, Jaden Wally back. And then you've brought in, you know, a, a big time grad transfer in Freddie Roberson. Offensive line, four out of five starters back. And I mean, they just, they have some depth on the offensive line. They've had a, a guys who've played. I mean, they, they're going, the first couple guys off the bench for this offensive line are going to be guys who have played SEC football. That's a great thing for Mississippi State. They don't normally have that, that much depth. So I feel like it's fair, you know, to say Will Rogers is a senior quarterback. He's seen it all. He's played against every team, almost every team in the conference. He, he, you know, there's nothing that should surprise him. There's nothing that should, you know, confuse him. He should be able to go out there and, and play at a high level. I expect Will Rogers to play at a high level. The good news is I expect him to play at a high level. I think he's going to be playing at a high level. I think he'll have a good year. I'm interested to see what they do with Mike Wright. I think obviously they'll design some packages for him to get him, you know, on the field and use his mobility. I don't know if they, they plan to, to get him into another position. I don't know if you're going to see him at wide out. Will you see him and Rodgers on the field at the same time? I don't know the answer to that at this time. Hopefully that's something that, you know, is the coming weeks we will get that answer. But for me, I expect big things from Will Rodgers this fall. I expect him to lead this Mississippi State team, and I expect them to be a top 15, top 20 team. I think that they have enough talent to do that on both sides of the ball, defensively and offensively. I think this is a good football team. I think a lot, almost all of the... Questions you have about this team stem from the fact that Mike Leach is no longer there. If Leach were there, nobody, I think they would be a preseason top 20 team, no questions asked. As it is, I think with Arnett, people are going to be like, well, I don't know, first, first year head coach, which is fine. It's fine. You know, at this point with Mississippi State, I, I, I don't expect, I don't expect teams, people just to show up and go, oh yeah, that's a great team. And just, it's year in, year out. Every year, State is predicted to finish 6th or 7th in the West, and every year they, they pretty much overachieve and do better than that. So, yeah, you just, you just move on from it. Defensively, you know, there's a lot of questions in the back end. That's what this spring's going to be about, is like trying to figure out what your secondary is going to be. You, know, you lose Emmanuel Forbes, you lose Jackie Matthews, Colin Duncan, Jalen Green. That's four out of your five starters. You bring back to Cameron Richardson. The transfer portal has been good to State from a, a secondary standpoint. You know, last year you bring in Jordan Morant, Hunter Washington, Marcus Banks. This year you bring in Jacoby Albert, Chris Keys, uh, Radar Jones, and Kamari Rogers. Three of those guys are native Mississippians who went somewhere else and then came back, and now they're here. So you got a lot of guys there, and then you know, you got the guys that you've recruited as well. I like to see Corey Ellington take a step forward this year. That's a guy that last year there was some buzz around preseason it just never really materialized for him a lot of that was due to the fact that Matthews Duncan and 
and Green were good, were solid for Mississippi State on the back end. But Ellington you know, never really made that push forward. I'd like to see him do that this year. But there's going to be a bunch of new faces. And then in the front part of the defense, the front six, a lot of familiar faces. You know, obviously, uh, with, with uh, Buki Watson and, and Jet Johnson at linebacker, Jaden Crumity, Nathan Pickering, those guys back on the defensive line, DeMonte Russell. Been sort of, DeMonte Russell's a guy that's kind of just been waiting on and waiting on. Like, I, I, I want him to take that step forward, and he just hasn't done it yet. Maybe this will be the year for him to do that. And then, you know, you got some young guys that people are excited about. You know, Trevion Williams is a guy I talked about uh, a year ago that I said this is the guy that it might be the next great MSU defensive lineman. Definitely has the potential. Calvin Dinkins is a guy, another Mississippi kid that has that, that potential. So, you might see some new faces get sprinkled in there. And, of course, you know, you got David Turner, who's one of the top defensive line coaches in the country. I think he'll be able to find ways to maximize all those guys' talent. So lot a lot to like about Mississippi State early. You know, To me, there's not as many questions on the field. Now, when we talk about the coaching stuff, yeah, I get it. But that being said, Arnett was a great defensive coordinator. He put together defenses that overachieved and played great football. He was a good game planner, and I think he's a good recruiter. It's just going to be, you know, is he ready for the big chair? I think he is. I'll be totally honest. I think if, if Leach had, you know, had not passed away, you might have seen Arnett go to a group of five schools as a head coach this year anyway. He might have been a hot commodity for that. You know, he definitely would have gotten offers to be a defensive coordinator at some big schools, but I do think that he might have gotten some offers to be a head coach as well. But as it is, it works out, and he's now here at Mississippi State. I think he's ready. I think he's been, you know, I think Mike Leach made the point to, you know, I don't know if groom is the right word. That has a really negative connotation these days. But to, to sort of guide him along to this point that he was ready to be a head coach, it just, the way that it happened, happened. And so here we are. Practice resumes tomorrow. Then they're off for spring break, and then... Goes full bore all the way to the fifteenth of April, where we'll be at Davis Wade Stadium for the uh, for the spring game. All right, we'll baseball talk when we come back. Bulldogs get a win last night that they really really need it. We'll see if they can continue that momentum into the weekend. So it's thunder and lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. here on Super Talk Mississippi. If you like this show and you want to hear more Thunder and Lightning, just subscribe to the uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast wherever you get podcasts from, or you can always just go to supertalk.fm. Supertalk.fm is the spot to find all breaking news, sports, anything happening in our great state. We've got it for you right there, one stop. And while you're subscribing to podcasts, just hit them all up. You just even be, have all the information you want. Rebel Report, the Eagle Hour, and the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. They all come to you via Sports Talk or via Super Talk Mississippi. And by the way, they're all they're all free. 
So when you when you're like, oh, I can get my sports information for however much a month, or you can just pay nothing and listen to us. Feels like that's feels like that's a beyond these in this in these trying times. Feels like that might be the way to go. Baseball. Let's listen. I said we got we got to hit all three bit of the big sports tonight. Baseball got a win they really needed. A 12-2 run rule shortened game against Valparaiso uh, yesterday. Saw the Bulldogs fall behind two nothing, uh, but from there they reeled off twelve unanswered. They got offense up and down the lineup. They got a, a I would say decent pitching performance from Bradley Lofton. I mean, he, he, look, he threw, what, six innings, gave up only two hits, two runs. That's great. 11 strikeouts, fantastic. Five walks, something you, you've got to get away from. The walks have been killing Mississippi State this year. They played error-free baseball, which is just, at this point, you can't ever take it as a given. So to get that is good. And made a change in the lineup. You know, Slate Alford's a guy that, you know, this summer had a massive summer in, in, in the, in the uh, Cape Cod League playing up there in the north, and and you thought, okay, now he's ready to take that big step forward for Mississippi State this year, and it just hasn't happened for him. Right? Only batting uh, about 235, but more importantly than that, and you know, I, if you're not a huge baseball fan, and we talk about fielding percentage, you know, if, if you think, wow, if somebody's fielding 950, 960, that's pretty good. It's actually just okay. You know, you think 95% of the time it would be a great percentage. It isn't. It isn't. It's just okay. Anything below ninety-five, anything below like nine fifty, is is that's a concern. Slate offered is fielding seven sixty on the year. He has six errors and sixteen chances. That is rough. I'm sorry, six six errors and like twenty-five chances. But regardless. That's that's not acceptable, and like, and it it wouldn't really even be acceptable if he was hitting three fifty. Even at that, you'd just be like, "Well, just let him DH because he he can't be in the field." But he had to, he he sat the bench yesterday. David Mershon is a guy that, if you listen to the podcast, Robbie Falk was talking him up a few weeks ago before the season started. Thought, and a lot of the thought was, if Lane Forsythe can't get it going with the bat, Mershon could be a guy. Who plays it short? Well, Forsythe is having a great year so far. He's hitting the ball pretty well. He's getting on base. So Marshawn goes to third, and what does he do? You know, play again, error-free baseball, but two for three with a walk and a run scored on the night. So if if that continues, and you know, I would think that you know you wouldn't make the change just to make the change for one night, right? I think Marshawn would probably get to start Saturday. I'm sorry, Friday against Lipscomb. You put yourself in a situation where if he continues to produce, he's going to be in the lineup. State has this issue right now where they have some guys they want to play, but they only they're, but they're a spot short. They want to have Bryce Chance, Kellum Clark, Luke Hancock, Ross Highfield, Hunter Hines all on the field at the same time, or all in the lineup at the same time. But you only have so many spots. I mean, Monty Larry is at second. Forsythe's at short. Looks like Marshawn be at third. And then Colton Ledbetter. Is in the outfield, and then you know Dakota Jordan. I guess you could almost put him in that list of guys they'd like to have on the field, but he's been struggling a bit. You know, the true freshman. So you only have you know so many spots. Hancock's going to be on the field. You know, he came back for this year. He's hitting the ball really well, and he's great at first. At as a catcher, you know, he has he has his limitations. 
but he's a great first baseman and a great hitter. His leadership is there. I, you know, I want Luke Hancock on the field. Ross Highfield behind the plate has been good, and it's been really good with the bat. Hunter Hines is starting to show some signs that he's he's warming up. He hit a home run last night that's up there with some of the longest you'll ever see at Diddy Noble Field. Bryce Chance has been really, really good this season, and he is a guy that you'll hear this on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, Robbie Falk made a good point. He's, he is a very typical Mississippi State baseball player. Scrappy, gritty, but just hits. Can't take him out of the lineup. He's hitting too well. You have Kellum Clark. He's got off to a slow start this season, and that's kind of been, unfortunately for him, a a uh, uh, a tradition. You know, he got off to a slow start last season, but he hit a home run last night. He's a guy who has a, all the potential in the world. It's just can he put it together? The problem is, you know, potential is something you talk about with freshmen and sophomores. Kellum Clark's a junior. Now it's time to see production. Now it's time to see him, you know, doing those things you recruited him to do. So Crystal Monis has got to figure these things out. And, oh, by the way, he's still got to figure out what he's going to do with his starting rotation. Is Kate Smith going to be back anytime soon? I think he will be. I don't know if it'll be this weekend or not. Do you keep Gerangelo Sinjay in that in that Friday spot? Are you going to try to make a move for Bradley Lofton to get him into the weekend? Or, or, or you know, how's that going to work? What are you going to do with Graham Intima, who had a great start two weeks ago, but then looked awful against Oklahoma this past weekend? Landon Gartman, at least, you know, you feel like you're that anchor start, that sat, that Sunday start, you're good there. Gartman's not going anywhere in the rotation. And then, of course, you know, is Aaron Nixon going to be able to come back? We asked Coach Lamonis about him on Monday on Sports Talk Mississippi, and he said just unavailable right now. You know, Coach Lamonis, not much for uh, giving out the injury information, which is fine. So State's still trying to figure all these things out. But as I mentioned earlier, conference play starts next week. You're at Kentucky. Week after that, Vanderbilt comes in, top you know, top fifteen team, I think. You don't have a lot of time left. I said it on the on the pod. I'll say it here. I think that State has a total of ten games before they play Vanderbilt. That includes the Kentucky series. I hate to put pressure on, but you need to be nine and one in those games at at worst. Ten and zero would be preferable. I don't think you're going to go on the road and sweep Kentucky though. That would be really good if you did, but we'll see. But you need to be nine and one. That would put you at fifteen and six when you play Vanderbilt. And you can you can just sort of go from there. I'm sorry, you would be sixteen and six playing Vanderbilt. And then from there you just sort of move forward. Whatever the right whatever happens with Vanderbilt happens. And at that point, if you if you get swept by Vanderbilt, you kind of know it's going to be a, a long season. But if you can get a game or two, you're you're fine. You're fine. But all these non-conference games, State needs to win them, and then they need to be able to take two out of three from Kentucky. That's not a good Kentucky team. You should be able to beat them two out of three. And if you don't, if State loses in this stretch, let's say they lose a game this weekend to Lipscomb, let's say they split a couple of those games, you know, split the two games they play on the coast, and they drop two to Kentucky, well, that's four more losses. So now you're sitting on nine losses at that point. I mean, hosting is already gone at this point, I would say, but at that point it's definitely gone. And now you're going to have to try to convince me that a team that's lost nine non-conference games in its first uh, 21 or 22 games is somehow going to win 14 conference games. I won't, I won't be buying that. But if they, they can do what they're supposed to do and win these games, then maybe we, you can talk me into it. I still have as many questions about this Mississippi State baseball team today 
as I did uh, a few weeks, you know, when the season started. Maybe more, to be totally honest with you, because you know, seeing guys like Kate Hunt, Casey Hunt and Kate Smith struggle, uh, seeing the way Slate, I thought Slate Offer was going to be poised for a big year, and he hasn't been. You know, they got to figure some things out. You know, and I hope that they can, because otherwise there's going to be a lot of hard questions asked when we get to the end of May. And those, those questions aren't going to end with everybody who's currently employed at Mississippi State still employed. They're going to have to, to make some changes if things don't turn around and things don't start going in the right direction and you don't get Mississippi State baseball back to where Mississippi State baseball is supposed to be. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Kirby Smart's won the last two national championships at Georgia. But if he had back-to-back losing seasons, they would fire him. There's just no question about that in my mind. Chris Monas won a national championship. All right, First one in Mississippi State history. But Mississippi State baseball will not tolerate going back-to-back seasons where you don't make it to Hoover. So you got to get things turned around. And before you guys say, well, it's still early, I mean, is it? All right, we're we're about to be twenty games into the season. That's a, that's you know a little little less than halfway done. You, you got to be winning games at this point, especially this week. Lipscomb, that's a team you should sweep. I don't care what they've done previously. You should be able to sweep them. Next week, Nickel State you should be able to win that game. Louisiana, that's not the same Louisiana team that was dominant in college baseball uh, four or five years ago. You should be able to beat them, and then you should be able to take two out of three from Kentucky. And then you should be able to beat Arkansas State. And then you play Vanderbilt and you see where the, where the chips fall. We'll see. We will see. Let's wrap it up when we come back in just a few minutes. This is Thunder and Lightning Live here on Super Talk Mississippi. FM Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. So if you're watching games, if you're watching the uh, the bubble, as it were, here's a big one. Ohio State is all over Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament, 50 to 27. You want Wisconsin out if you're a Mississippi State fan. So that's that's the good news. Pitt won earlier today in the ACC tournament. You wanted Pitt to lose, but they are probably in now. So again, for Mississippi State, though, I think it's as easy as is just win the game tomorrow, and you can you can be good. You can relax at that point. We'll see. We'll see. It's been a while since I had to pay a really pay attention to the uh, Selection Sunday show. It's been five years. The last time Mississippi State was in a, the uh, the tournament, uh, MSU allowed us to be in the uh, players' lounge with the players when they were announced. And I'll never forget. You know, it was so anticlimactic. You knew State was in, but you you know you think okay, we'll be here a little while. State was in the first bracket that was uh, that was released. First group. I 
It's just like, ah, I guess I'm going to get to go home early. So, um, And State went home early in that tournament, ironically enough. I thought, I thought, Rhino, we were going to have the joy of playing the Cruton song today. It appears Mississippi State has picked up its first commitment for the 2024 season. However, our, our, my friend Paul Jones of our 24-7 reporting that it's it's not going to be released in the next five minutes. We'll put it that way. So we have to wait. Well, we'll wait for another day. But State, one of the few teams in the country that doesn't have a current 2024 commitment. I think a lot of that is due to just the newness of the staff. Once they get really settled in, I think yeah, from a recruiting perspective, this staff was put together from a recruiting perspective. You know, Turner and Hughes, veteran guys, great recruiters. Brock is a good recruiter. Bumpus has the you know the reputation as a good recruiter, um, and then you know you look at you know Will Friend has always had that reputation as well as has uh, Mike Schmidt, uh, the new tight ends coach, run game coordinator, uh, for uh, for Mississippi State. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned as we sit here on March eighth that State is lacking in commitments. Now you get to April eighth, May eighth, then I'll start shaking my head like what's going on. But apparently somebody's in the boat. We're just going to have to wait to find out who it is. So no Cruton song. That's that's a bummer. I, I always uh, enjoy uh, any time I get to play that that song uh, on the air. So tomorrow's the day, though. Noon tip-off. Feel free to take off of work. If, you need, if you're listening out there, you have my permission to be unproductive at work from 12 to 2 while you're watching that game. I think it's it's so crucial for State to get off to it because I feel like the nerves are going to be there a little bit. They need to get off to a good start. If they can get out to a quick lead, I, you know, Florida has nothing to play for. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. They're barely going to the NIT, if if at all. Their best player is 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 hurt and not playing. If you if you punch them in the mouth early, they might just fold up shop on you and call it a day and want to get out of there and, and just go ahead and start the off season. But if you let them hang around, well, you know how that goes. Uh, I agree with something that Mark Wise said earlier today on Sports Talk Mississippi when, during his interview with Richard Cross. He said the three-pointer is is sort of the, you know that's what sparks upsets, and that's obviously what happened Saturday night. So State needs to keep you know tighten up that perimeter defense. They've been good against the three all year, which is ironic because they're bad with the three. I think I've used the word ironic twice. I don't like that. Um, but I think if State comes out. And so, you know, enforces its will early in the game, gets a quick lead. I think Florida. I'm not saying they'll fold, but I'm saying that you know, Mississippi State can hold that lead, and they'll they'll be okay. So, huge game though. And then it'll be you know, big weekend. Obviously, we'll see what happens in the SEC tournament. You know, baseball playing Lipscomb. They need to win. There's just no other way around that. They can't lose games to teams like this. If you want to make the NCAA tournament. You just you just can't do it, and if you do, well then you're not going to make the NCAA tournament. It's just pretty much as simple as that, you know. Lipscomb is a team that you should beat every time you play them. If you're Mississippi State, and if you don't, well then not good. Lipscomb currently one nineteen. They're five and eight on the year. One nineteen in the RPI. So that's a ten. Their RPI is just going to continue to go down because they're going to stop playing teams, you know, like they've been playing in, in the non-conference. They've been playing SEC teams. So I mean, you lose this game. I mean, you've already got a bad loss with VMI. I didn't look what VMI's uh, uh, 
RPI is. It's only 77. That win over Mississippi State's a big part of that, though. So we'll see. State, State needs to get wins this weekend. No question about that. And I'm looking forward to Selection Sunday, where we'll have uh, the Thunder and Lightning podcast Selection Sunday after the Selection Show, and we'll see if we're talking about Mississippi State going to the uh, NCAA tournament or not. We'll find out. All right, guys, have a great uh, Wednesday night. I'll be back with you on next Wednesday. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning for the Thunder and Lightning podcast. I'll be back with you tomorrow afternoon for Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm around. I'm available. I'm easy to find. You know what I'm saying. For Rhino down there in Studio X, who made everything work here tonight, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks again, as always, for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.